Well, hello, this is Gary, and you're listening to Thinking Out Loud. Today is Election Day, United States of America, November 3rd, 2020. So with this day finally upon us, I'd start the day with a little venting for an hour, just trying to process it. It's a heavy, heavy time. It seems, you know, a lot of polls coming in seeming to indicate that, you know, there's a certain likelihood that that uh, Biden will win. But those polls don't mean shit. Obviously, if you haven't voted, vote today and, and vote either in person or drop it in an official drop box. Don't mail it, even though that is still technically legal. If it's postmarked by today, um, you know, the, the ruling regime has made it clear that they're going to try to discount or not count or they're going to challenge the validity of votes that are legally cast on Election Day via mail and are postmarked by today. Uh, there's even in official U.S. mailboxes, they'll actually say mail is collected X at whatever time so really if you want it to be postmarked by that day you just have to put it in that mailbox at the post office by that time and it'll be postmarked that day that is the law but um the current ruling regime has made it clear that they're planning on challenging that law you know it is still the law that if it's postmarked by today it's a valid ballot you know, so that is currently the law, but, um, yeah, Trump and his attorney general and various other cronies that he's allowed to get into the high positions of the federal government have made it clear they're going to, they're going to challenge that. So certainly disconcerting. So it's kind of a limiting of the vote. Um, millions of people are, they're doing it though. They're going after it. You know, they're, uh, waiting in lines why people have to wait in line to vote. Why is that a thing? Why can't we invest in our election system? Why are people having to wait to vote? Why is the Republican Party making it more difficult to vote? Is that really the only way they can stay in power? And think about that if you're a working class person that votes Republican. The only way that organization can stay in power is by preventing the number of people who vote. Think about that. You know. Why can't they just make their message more appealing? Who are they representing? <laughs> you know, um, it, it is frustrating that so many people insist on believing that that organization is somehow seeing the, the, the greater good or something or the the bigger picture or whatever. It's like, no, the, the, the bigger picture is, is the people and life on this planet. You, you know, life. <laughs> Ironically enough, that is the organization that defines himself as pro-life, but that's only a very that term only describes one very specific thing, basically being kind of anti-abortion, but not necessarily pro-life in a more broader sense, like pro-health care, pro-environmental protections, and things like that. They're kind of the exact opposite. You know, clear-cutting a bunch of. Uh, pristine native forest in Alaska in order to uh, put up a bunch of, uh, you know, oil drills, you know, and stuff. Um, 
clearly and obviously has a very negative effect on life. All the life that's in that area dies. You know, you clear cut a big forest and stuff. Air quality, obviously, in the area goes down. And the very thing that makes Alaska awesome starts to deteriorate. Uh, it's not Alaska's abundant natural resources under the earth. It's, <laughs> it's the beautiful, majestic, you know, wild terrain that's above the ground. You know, that's above all those resources. It's, it's not the black goo that's deep in the earth. It's all the stuff that's on top of it, all the different animals that live up there. And the, you know, the people that are able to persevere through that pretty harsh climate. But, you know, anyway. So it is today. For my own personal whatever, I like that I'm recording my thoughts, making them available, trying to process this time. You know, it's almost like all the various people who are commenting on this time in this era, it becomes a part of history in a way, you know. Is this Trump fiasco, this Trump surreal four years, is it just this weird blip in the, in the history of our country? Or is it a trend for what our country is going to become? You know, we're going to find out in a few days. Uh, we're going to get some ideas here fairly soon within, you know, later today and over the next couple days. You know, how does Trump react if indeed early results start coming in and it's clear that it's going to be a landslide? Does he still go through with his promise to challenge the results of the election by invalidating hundreds of thousands, if not millions of votes? I mean, that is, at this point, it seems like that's the only way he could possibly win. That's kind of his closing argument. You know, vote for Trump because the other guys are going to create socialism or something. Or, and if the Democrats win, I'm going to challenge the results. You know, it's just, what is the appeal of that guy? How do we avoid such a thing in the future? In the future, how do we, how do we find a way to message to people that are buying someone's BS and, and, and get the message to them in a way that they get like, oh, wait a minute, you know, and gives them some kind of pause. How, but how do you find that? One of the ways is probably through, you know buying ad space on Fox News. You, you you have to go to the source. You know, there's about 30, 40 million people, whatever the ratings is for Fox, there's a huge portion of this population that gets their news exclusively from that. Or Sinclair Broadcasting. Sinclair Broadcasting is a conservative news organization that owns hundreds of local news affiliates throughout the United States of America. You'll be watching your local news affiliate and it'll have the same name. In Seattle, there's Como, ABC affiliate. It's been around forever. It was bought out by Sinclair, I don't know how many years ago, so it's not really Como anymore. Kind of looks like Como, still has the logo and some of the, uh, you know, journalists that people have known forever or are still on there but there's new ones you know once Sinclair but Sinclair presents the news in a way to 
tilt most favorably to the Republican Party. They're not simply just presenting information. They're presenting information with a, with a tilt to it, a lean in a certain direction to try and persuade you to think positively about the Republican Party. It requires, with Trump being their pick, an, an intense level of ethical and moral flexibility to kind of, in, in mental gymnastics, to kind of contort around clear and obvious truths. Is Donald Trump qualified to be a president representing the interest of human beings? No. Um, and there's all kinds of people who have written books about it and have kind of shouted from the mountaintops about the clear and obvious truth of Donald Trump being ill-suited to be in the position that he currently holds and is seeking a second term of. That it, it, It's clear and obvious. However, if you're only getting your news from Fox News or from Sinclair Broadcasting, it's going to be more difficult for you to see that clear and obvious truth because it's going to be muddled purposely and intentionally. Okay? It's something to understand. Part of the thing, I mean, but Sinclair and Fox News are, are, are like brilliant at kind of manipulating people into such a way to where they, the people who watch Fox News and Sinclair owned local affiliates, only trust those sources, even though those sources are pure propaganda, and they're not just telling them information, they're, they're trying to persuade them. So that's why it's more propaganda. Propaganda is trying to make you think a certain way, you know. And in some cases, sort of manipulating information even, or just leaving out whole bits of information so that you don't see the whole story. They're not just presenting you the information. This this happened, then this, then this, and then going on to the next story. It's, you know, presenting just certain bits of information and then kind of telling you what to think. And then if there's too much bad information that's just rampant about, say, the the Republican Party's top guy, Mr. Trump, they'll they'll go to like a you know, one of those puff pieces, you know, the guy on the street thing, just asking random questions, or they'll they'll go live to like a bakery or something. Just just something kind of silly and stupid to just kind of distract. Fox News and local affiliates both do this kind of stuff. Uh, if there's too much negativity that's in the public consciousness about the Republican Party, just talk about something that's totally unrelated. Just do a fluff puff piece, you know, that doesn't have anything to do with anything. And uh, so people just aren't even thinking about it. And maybe by being dismissive of it, uh, the people that are watching Fox News and have heard peripherally about some sort of negative thing that Trump did or the Republican Party did, they'll just assume that it's not really that big of a deal because, you know, Fox News isn't even talking about it. That's like how they interpret it. But obviously the reality is there was bad information about a Republican Party or Donald Trump and so Sinclair and Fox are just gonna not talk about it so you don't hear about it and so you maintain your favorable impression of the Republican Party and Donald Trump the organization the Republican Party's organization that protects the interests of the wealthy and protects the interests of corporations that, that's that's their primary objective and that is what they do 
in order to, to do that, they do have to convince a certain percentage of the working class population to go along with it. Yeah, the main way they do that is sort of vilifying the Democratic Party. So, and, and that seems to work, even though the Democratic Party is not the Republican Party's only competition, so to speak. There is also the Libertarian, Socialist, Green Party, Constitutionalist Party, among many others. You know, um, the Democrats are not socialists, they're Democrats. If you want to vote for a socialist, vote for the Socialist Party. Yeah, there, there is a socialist party in the United States of America. doesn't get much co coverage or anything like that. There is also a constitutionalist party. There's a libertarian party, green party. There's even a communist party in the United States. Yeah, there, there's a, it's on the official ballot. Now, obviously, and hopefully, that organization never gets even a few tenths of a percent of a vote, you know, because communism is awful. But... We're in a democracy, so people can choose whatever form of government and who they want their leaders to be, and unless they make the wrong choice. That, that's the great irony and the great sort of power that we as voters in a democratic society have, citizens of this society. We have the right to choose who our leaders are. However, if we make wrong choices, we may very well lose our very right to vote. Yeah, um, and that's kind of what's on the ballot this time. Unfortunately, 35 to 40 percent of the American people believes that fascism is a great idea, and that's the that's the type of government that we should instill. We should sort of demonize and vilify all others, all, all people who are other in any way. So anyone who objects to Trump. Anyone who uh, speaks out against Trump or the Republican-controlled government, um, the government should act violently towards. There should be restrictions on religion, there should be restrictions on speech, and the government should be just very apathetic towards the you know, health and well-being of the American people. All this is good. Those are good things. If the leader of the country lies hundreds of times a day and over the course of four years has lied 20,000 times <laughs> oh well so unfortunately 35-40% of the American people support that type of government a sort of government that is vicious and cruel corrupt and caters to the whims and desires of a very select group of wealthy people and acts violently towards anyone that steps out of line. Um, very depressing. Yeah. Because it's also a government that, of course, has openly declared that it will restrict voting. Will the very people who are voting for that type of system eventually lose their right to vote if they, if they're, you know, if it goes further down the line? Well, yeah. Yeah. The Trump has made it clear that he wants to be like a supreme leader like North Korea, Kim Jong-un or Vladimir Putin in Russia, where they just kind of stay in power un until they don't feel like being in power anymore, until they die or whatever. You know, usually it's when they die. They, they just stay in power for the rest of their life. There is no election. It, you know, the election's just sort of a, a show, you know. Vladimir Putin was re-elected, quote-unquote, last time by a, like a 
was it? he got like 85% of the vote or something like that, they said, you know, <laughs> they're, so they're, they're like slightly less ridiculous than North Korea, like they didn't say that he won 100% of the vote, North Korea, if they had a vote, Kim Jong-un would win 100% of the vote, at least that's what they would say, you know, because <laughs> um, they get like really over the top with their sort of adoration and sort of surreal um, praising of the man. Um, Russia's slightly more grounded, but still pretty ridiculous in, you know, how they present Putin. Um, but yeah, Trump, Trump wants to be that. As soon as he's no longer president, he can be charged with the crimes that he's allegedly committed. Insurance fraud, tax fraud, and campaign finance violation. Some of his, his associates engaged in, uh, activity related to the campaign and his, uh, Companies have already, you know, been indicted and served some time in jail. His personal attorney, Michael Cohen, who uh, engaged in actions at the specific request of Donald Trump, spent a bit of time in federal prison and wrote a book while in prison. I'm looking forward to reading that book as well as Mary Trump's book, Donald Trump's niece. Uh, there's quite a few books that have already been written in this era because it, it is an outlier from the previous many, many years. Well, the entire history of our country. This is an extreme outlier. There's not really, there's not really one to compare it to. I guess I suppose you can sort of kind of get to the '60s civil rights era or something. But this is this is kind of different because back then the leaders were trying, like in the '60s, John F. Kennedy and then Lyndon Johnson. They did. You know, Lyndon Johnson was the one that signed the Civil Rights Act. And it was kind of being, you know, the early negotiations of and such under Kennedy and stuff. And Eisenhower, even though a Republican general, uh, certainly was more of a, you know, lead the people type, you know. So even during those tumultuous times, there were still like leaders, you know, you had Robert Kennedy in there, um, that were... They were still pursuing equality. The leaders, you know, the, the, there was, you know, certain representatives. You got Strom Thurmond that was kind of preaching hatred and division and stuff still. So there was still like a... This is different, though, because you have the president, the, the, the main, the commander-in-chief, pursuing and openly advocating for a divided society. Um, a size, you know, a, a very much one that's kind of sectioned off and, and stuff and you know people aren't yeah I mean that there isn't a lot of like mingling of people or whatever he's um he's a very dark presence he always has been and uh I don't know why I don't I don't know if I'm ever going to understand why so many people saw that guy Mr. Trump as like someone to be like like why is it really just all the gold and toys that he has I mean it becomes that classic thing you know that that fable you know like uh, you know people selling their soul you know for for money you know it, it with the Trump tale, it, it, it's almost like we're living through this modern life 
fable. Um, Trump is this, you know, fairly wretched person. And no, yes, he, he did grow up in a very privileged upbringing. However, he did have a very cruel, vindictive father. And so, you know, it's kind of like that, that, you know, the prince and the pauper thing. Like, if, if you were born into that upper affluent class, what would you be like? But then what would you be like if your, you know, your parents were kind of cold and indifferent, cruel, vindictive, and kind of trained you to be apathetic? And to in order to win, you got to cheat and steal and you got to beat down the other guy. There is no negotiating where both parties walk out fairly happy. No, it's you got to beat them to submission. Um, there's no compassion. Compassion is a weakness. Imagine being trained to think that way from a very young child while still getting all the toys and privilege that you could ever want. And the com combination of those two. Well, Trump is what you get. And then what do you get when that guy becomes an adult? His father eventually is no longer around. And he just gets rewarded for bad behavior. I think it just reinforces the things that his father taught him. And he just never learned a better way to be. You know, he could have been a great person. You know, he really could have been. You know, but I think he saw the toll that trying to be empathetic and good and righteous had on his older brother. His older brother died a fairly young man of alcoholism and stuff. His, his father just probably bore him down, you know, because he was a more, you know, Donald Trump's older brother, Fred Trump Jr., was a more, it seems from the stories and stuff that have been said, that he was a more empathetic carrier, person, character. You know, he was more gregarious and just more kind and generous and uh, probably just more... Just probably just a, a far better, like warmer and more interesting person than Donald Trump will, will ever be. Um, but he didn't really get to fully express that uh, because he grew up in kind of a, you know, and, uh, you know, he tried to impress his foot. That, so that it goes on there, you know, when you're, uh, you know, sons trying to impress their fathers and trying to be what their fathers want them to be and all that kind of stuff, you know. And uh, I think Trump being quite a, you know, whatever number of years younger, I think he's like seven or eight years younger, nine, a good bunch. He's like the f second youngest in his, among his brothers and sisters, Donald Trump, Donald Trump is. But I think, you know, so it's, I have no hatred for Trump, I, I guess is what I'm saying. I, I kind of, I just, he needs help. You know, he, he never learned how to be a good person. He, he was trained from a very young age to be a bad person. And everything he did in life reinforced that. You know, he was rewarded for being bad. And now it, it may very well be that finally, it, you know, he'll, he'll have to finally pay, pay some kind of restitution for his life of just cruelty and indifference and apathy and greed, you know, finally, towards the end of his life, does he, at that time, kind of accept responsibility and, um, you know, ask forgiveness for those that he's hurt throughout his life and that kind of thing? Um, I, I hope so. I don't think Trump is, you know, real real long for this world I, I don't really see him being one of those 90 year old dudes 
but you never know. Sometimes those kind of people like that, they'll just stick around forever. I think Donald Trump's father lived to, to be a pretty good long time. I think he was born in the 19th century, and I'm pretty sure he was still alive in the early 90s or late 80s or something like that. Like, he's old, old dude. So, who knows? But we have to, we have a, we, we just have to figure out a way to better message and, and get better information to people that are not seeing the whole story. You know, there's, there's way too many people that genuinely believe that Donald Trump is a successful businessman, even though he bankrupted six companies. You know, that, that clear and obvious kind of caveat to six I mean that's not you bankrupt six different companies and then you never really create a comp what is it that he does yeah he, he has a he rebranded and he he's still famous and he has his name on buildings what is it that he does what does he do he owns all these properties yeah but they've lost tons of money so he was born with tons of money that he's able to prop up these things that look like legitimate companies. When you peel back a few layers, you find that it's really just a personal slush fund. U.S. banks eventually realized that and stopped lending Trump-owned um, companies money. Yeah, because it, it's a scam. It, it's not really a. It's not really a true business. It's really just more like a personal trust fund for the Trump family that they can take pull money out of at any time for any random reason and then try to find some way after to justify it um, accounting-wise. You know, it, it's not really... Its intent is not necessarily to earn a profit, you know, even though that's how it's, you know, designated tax-wise, you know. But... What are you going to do, you know? Um, I think there's a combination of things to hopefully prevent this type of thing in the future. You know, a, a sort of wildly incompetent, unqualified person becoming president with no experience relevant to the job prior. And especially a person like Trump who was famous for being a con man. And then, as predicted, over 20,000 lies. And like, that's profound. Like, how did... How does someone lie that often? It, it's kind of amazing. You know, think about that. 20,000 lies. And then if your only response to that is, well, that's fake news. They're all recorded, okay? With the anecdote and all the stuff explaining why it's a lie. It, it's on the record. Check it out. You know, he said whatever. Well, here's the truth. And then if you really, and then if the explanation of what the truth is doesn't make sense, well, go go back and research. And you know that that's what journalists do. They kind of do that for you. Um, they're not fake, and they're not enemies of the people. They are the people. They're they're people that live in the United States of America. Most of them, you know, there's also foreign correspondents and stuff. But yeah, they. Uh, they are the unofficial fourth branch of the government. There's the checks and balances, which is the three branches of government. The, each branch kind of checks and balances the other one. News, journalism, media is the checks and balance of the checks and balances. You know, So various media outlets cover each of the three branches and also all the local levels. They're covering and reporting on all the things that are happening. 
uh, but then within that there's some that have a different objective they're not just telling you what's going on they're they're telling you things in a certain way to try to sway you to vote a certain particular way um, and a lot of times it's Republican they want they want to convince you that Republican Party is awesome <clears throat> the steady drumbeat of this show just a reminder because it can't be said enough what is the Republican Party? It's the organization that protects the republic as defined by the wealthy. So it is the organization that protects the interests of the wealthy through cut tax, tax cuts for the wealthy and tax cuts for corporations and also deregulating corporations, meaning corporations can pollute more easily and not have to pay to clean it up. None of these things have any positive benefit to working class people at all. None. Zero. They do benefit the wealthy, though. If you own mass, you know, thousands of shares. If you own thousands of shares of stock, good, you know, good chance your portfolio might go up. If you're just owning, you know, a few mutual funds in here and there, you're probably not going to have a big difference. But yeah, tax cuts for the wealthy mean that wealthy people have more money, and then when those wealthy people have more money, it it means that they have more money. How does that benefit everyone else? Why would it benefit anyone else? <laughs> that seems... No. Yeah, because they're already wealthy. So they get a few extra, even 20000 in a year or something, or $70,000, $80,000 if they already have millions. It, it, it's basically nothing. They don't really need it, obviously. Um, they want it because a lot of times there's competition among the upper echelons of the wealthy to be who is the wealthiest. And so, you know, sometimes by lowering their tax rate, they might get to make some adjustments to their investments so that their net worth can go up. Um, it, it, it doesn't really trickle down or anything, though. And, and it's, it's an investment in the wealthy. So let, let's give more money to the people who have the most money. And, and it's kind of that attitude of like, well, the people who have the most money now, they have the most because they're the best you know they know because they work hard you know they're successful they created jobs whatever any of those things actually mean is is never really explained um donald trump inherited 400 million dollars over that now that, that that's not really a skill you, you know that that doesn't really mean he's smart it doesn't really mean he knows how to run a company it just means he was born with a crap ton of money I mean, that is a lot of money. A lot, a lot, a lot of money. And just a reminder, if you ever inherit that kind of money, what you do is you take a good sizable portion of it, I would say at least a couple hundred million, if you inherited 400 million, and you invest in a fixed annuity. If you invest 200 million, you should be able to find something that pays you about forty to $50,000 a month. Um basically forever or for a very long time you know well over a hundred years or so so I could check my financial calculator later to make sure those numbers are right but with 400 million you can pay yourself about 90 to 95 thousand dollars a month for at least a hundred years it's growing at three percent interest could you survive off that well, yeah of course yeah <laughs> the average person in America makes about 60 grand a year you know, struggling to get by, works paycheck to paycheck. If you were making close to what the average American makes in a year, but making it in a month, 
or even more than what the average person makes in a year, in a month, for a hundred years, and you don't have to work at all, ever, and that income is basically tax-free because it's it's an annuity payment, so it's taxed differently. So yeah, um, very easy, basic investment to make. Uh, a lot of the federal former Federal Reserve chairmen have invested in fixed annuities. It's a very safe, easy investment. You're not going to get crazy growth usually. Three, four percent is you know a good steady one. But yeah, if you ever get a lump sum, do that. Boom. You 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 have monthly income forever. That's a very comfortable, probably way more than what you know you been making previously and you know it gives you quite a bit of freedom do you work well you don't need to you know <laughs> you inherit 400 million dollars yeah you don't need to work you know you make a couple quick investments you got you have an income of about what, what do you want your income to be 40,000 a month okay and you just make the appropriate investment you don't even have to invest your entire inheritance 40,000 a month though and um yeah that that should be if you can't figure out what to do with yourself with $40,000 a month well then well then you don't need more money you know if if 40,000 a month isn't enough to figure something out then you, you, more money isn't going to help you you know so yeah that that's a that's a good that's a good chunk of change 40 grand a month that, that's a damn good lemon right there and if if you can't make a go at it as a twenty-something whatever, off of forty grand a month, um, I, I I don't know what to tell you. Go go back to school or something. Maybe maybe learn a trade. Maybe you know do the thing where you travel around a bit. And if you're making thirty grand a month and tax-free income, um, yeah, travel around, see some people. It's certainly enough to kind of invest in some philanthropic endeavors. For sure, you know, and I would highly recommend you do that if you inherit that kind of money. If you inherit 400 million, you know, a couple quick investments that secure a nice little comfortable living for you forever, boom ba doom, should still, it should leave you a good 100 million or so to be able to invest in very philanthropic, good for the other, good, you know, good for the betterment of man type thing. Um, you already made it, so you don't really need to be worrying about earning a profit personally, you know. If you happen to earn more money just because some of the things you're creating are doing so well, great. But if you kind <laughs> of start, start in this world with that kind of money, you, you need to find a way to make things better. You've already made it. You're already good personally and financially. You, you are set. So... Focus on things that you can do that are good. Yes, you may get some sort of financial reward just by focusing on the work and and being the best at something. But it, it, the thing you're trying to be the best at is just being famous and being the most wealthy, the most famous wealthy person. Well, it, it's not really providing a lot of good to others. And it's not really going to... I don't really think all the money and toys that Donald Trump has accumulated over his time on this planet has really filled the emptiness in him. You know, he, he's a very weak, thin-skinned man, you know. Um, he, I think he genuinely thought that if he just acquired lots of money and possessions over the course of his life, 
that he would become highly respected and happy. But he's a sad, miserable person, you know? It's just, I don't know. I don't get the appeal. I never did. I just feel sorry for him. I just feel pity for him, you know? He inherited all that money, but then he just wasn't, he didn't, he just, he couldn't, <laughs> like, I don't know. I think he, he could have learned some different lessons from his older brother, besides just fully embracing his father's life ethos. Like, but, uh, you know, like, go travel around for a year, you know? <laughs> Get out of New York for a bit, and... I don't know. Like, just do something different. You know, meet people, you know. Don't just worry about accumulating more money. But that's that's just all he was. You know, he was just a guy that was wanting to get more money, and that and that's the part of the story that I think that almost gets kind of missed. It's it's not even like he was trying to create successful businesses. He was just he was the guy that loved money, and just loved having more money, and, and that that was his identity guy who loves money you know <laughs> I don't know it's just and now he's you know kind of in possibly hopefully in the final sort of gasps of his presidency here you know his, his closing argument was uh, vote me because the other guys are socialists and they're gonna um, you know, only cater to the affluent. Donald Trump projects a lot. He does a lot of projecting. Like, he'll talk about uh, the Democrats being the, the group that's going to, you know, cater to the affluent. He said, he said something about, you know, run by the affluent class. I mean, it's it's amazing how he's able to get away with that kind of projection. You know, he, he's he's a guy that fired certain public servants in government and replaced them with people who gave him lots of money. You know, the federal government is just filled with these, like, wealthy douchebags. Betsy DeVos and, oh, God, there's a whole slew of others, the postmaster general guy. And these people that have used their positions of power in government to try and make government less representative of the people and to try to use the resources to try to find benefits to give to the wealthy. Betsy DeVos, head of Department of Education. Is she doing anything to improve public education in the United States of America? No. One of the things she was real concerned out with was uh, finding a way to block programs to forgive college loans. That's good. That's like a big, huh? That would certainly help people. <laughs> Yeah, making college free would certainly help public education. Yeah, if more people are able to get a public education and a higher education. Yeah, that's a benefit. But that she's trying to block that because she's worried that may have an effect on, you know, college loan lenders, which are some of her constituents. And that's what she's worried about, you know. It's the other thing that kind of a theme to keep in mind with the Republican Party. They are not just the organization that protects the republic, as defined by the affluent. What that means more specifically, it's, it's very much of, of a sort of maintaining the status quo. You know, the affluent, many in the affluent class, especially those like Trump that are kind of born into wealth and aren't 
really all that smart or innovative or anything. It's all superficial. They, they just own stuff because they were born. You know, there's a sizable portion of the affluent class that is this. They are simply the descendant of someone who many, many years ago created this successful company and then just handed over the ownership to their descendants who then have other people run the company for them. But, they're, you know, they're the owners, so they get a huge portion of the benefit from that entity. But many of them, they don't really do a whole lot, you know. So they have to kind of find ways to secure their way of life. You know, that it is what all they know. You know, the, the Trump children, all they know is affluence and privilege. That They were you know, they're, they're the fourth generation Trumps or whatever. You know, they, they are, yeah, they, they were probably millionaires at a young, young age. And all they know is a life of privilege and influence. They, they don't really, when they try to relate to regular people, it it's off. You know, it just, they don't, they're so far removed from the regular day-to-day -day experience of the vast majority of working class people that they just don't really know how to relate. Um, but because they're kind of, that's the weird thing though, is because they're kind of incompetent, kind of stupid and kind of boastful and kind of, uh, well, just, just kind of sloppy, you know, Trump is, you know, it, it, it comes across as like a regular guy or something, but n no, Tr Trump's just, he was born into wealth and privilege, which allows him to get away with being incompetent and stupid and lazy and racist and sexist and all those kind of things. If you're, if you're those kind of things in a regular class person, it's going to be a, there's going to be a ceiling on your career. You know, you're only going to be able to get so far if you're incompetent and lazy and corrupt and unethical and moral and you burn bridges and all that kind of stuff. Um, when you're like that and you're not born into the affluent class, it's going to prevent you from going very high. But when you're born into the affluent class, having those attributes is almost, you know, it, it doesn't sink you necessarily. And you may be able to almost use it as an attribute to gain further success and notoriety, you know, because fame is fame. And, you know, Yes, Trump was famous for being a con man, for bankrupting companies, cheating on his wives, saying racist things, sexist things, and then being a game show host. That is what he was famous for. He was never famous for being successful. You know, he was never famous for being the author of a book. He didn't write The Art of the Deal. He's the subject of The Art of the Deal. Tony Schwartz wrote that book. Donald Trump barely reads or writes. He's an extremely sh short attention span, you know. But even though all that's known, you know, pe people can kind of choose their own reality in this country now. You know, they can just sort of choose to believe that he's actually an honest man of integrity that worked his way up the system and is self-made and all this, all these sort of stupid, weird myths that he presented about himself that are just that. They're myths. You know, they are not true. Well, a lot of myths, there's like certain grains of truth. Like when he said he and he borrowed one million dollars from his father, the truth part is from his father. That that's the part that's like true. He got money 
from his father. But it wasn't a loan, and it wasn't only one million. It was over 400 million in today's dollars. And his father started putting money in a trust fund for Donald when he was a toddler, about $200,000 a month. And by the time Donald was eight or nine years old, he was a millionaire. So th those weren't loans. That was just money that was given to him as a birthright. And um, many failed ventures throughout his life where his father had to bail him out. And um, yeah, and most of the companies that are in the Trump empire, Trump is the one directly managing said entity. It usually loses money and operates at a loss. And he uses that loss on the business side as a kind of a tax deduction on his personal income taxes uh, and was able to avoid paying income taxes 10 out of 15 years and paid only $750 in income tax in 2017. 2017, I was making 12 bucks an hour at some temp job. I paid $977 in taxes working as a recruitment assistant in an office, you know, sitting in front of a computer. He was president of the United States in 2017 and he paid $750 as president. You know? And the chorus from MAGA shows, well, he deferred his salary. He didn't take a salary. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, 300 something thousand dollars in salary and he got millions in direct aid benefit from foreign emissaries, you know, staying at Trump owned properties. Trump goes on a vacation to his Trump-owned property. Secret Service stays there, and the rates are hiked up several hundred percent during those stays, of which Trump gets a direct benefit. The United States taxpayer is paying for Trump to go golfing, to get state-of-the-art health treatment. All in all is hundreds, if not millions of dollars throughout these four years. Donald Trump paid $750 in taxes. Where does that money come from? Who's paying? We are. We're paying for a wealthy guy who inherited $400 million. We are paying for him to go golfing at a golf club that he owns, at a golf resort that he owns. So, yeah, we're paying for the cost, and then we're also paying him directly. Yeah, because he gets <laughs> he, he gets the benefit. He, he, he still is a direct uh, beneficiary of those Trump-owned properties. Yeah. 10 out of 15 years, that asshole did not pay any penny in taxes, in personal income taxes. Yet, he's going to use U.S. taxpayer dollars, your money that you earned, that was taken out of your check. He's going to use it to go golfing. Yeah. And a golf resort that he owns. Yep. And then millions of people are going to say that he's the guy that represents the commoner. <laughs> It's just like, it's so frustrating. I don't, I, it's such a weird, how did it get to this, man? Like, why? Why is this, you know, the future was looking, you know, I mean, it's it's not like, I mean, there's puppy dogs and ice cream in the future. It's going to be rainbows of gold in the future. You know, it's not, I mean, it was an exciting time under Obama. There was hope for the future but it's yeah instead it's like yeah let's 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 have that dumbass that's been on tv for the past several decades doing stupid shit 
Let's have him be the president. He'll change things. He'll make it better. He said he's going to build a wall. Yeah, he's, he's racist against all kinds of people, including Latinos. Yeah. So he wants to build a big massive wall in the middle of the desert. And it costs billions of dollars of your money. There's going to be money taken out of your check to build that stupid thing in the middle of the fucking desert. What'll it do? It'll just be this stupid wall in the middle of the desert. There'll be flooding. That'll happen because of it. Because you're going to... You know, it's an irregular thing that's not supposed to be there, and you're putting it there anyway. Migration patterns get affected, not just of humans, but of animals and such. Yeah, you start getting kind of a a life drain in that area. You know, it, it, it becomes this sort of thing that as soon as it's built, it, it becomes a human duty, um, obligation to try and, you know, bring the fucker down, you, you know, we, we don't want no damn wall, <laughs> that's a really stupid thing, yes, I understand that some people are very racist, and they're very scared of Latinos coming here and speaking Spanish, oh no, you know, I, I don't know why that freaks them out so much, you know, um, Latinos are good people, you know, they're walking hundreds of miles just to work some shitty job just to have a shot and mostly not even for them it's mostly a lot of times when they come here it's mostly just to have the better shot for their kids you know and that's kind of their goal I've met people who were the kids you know got to got to meet a few people in college who were you know the kids their parents emigrated to America only knowing how to speak Spanish got a job just worked saved as much as they could and then their kids went to college you know, one of those dudes I knew in college, he, he was the uh, first person in his family to ever get a college degree. He was the uh, legislative liaison for Eastern and Washington University. You know, went to Olympia and met with senators and stuff to uh, advocate for, you know, student rights. You know. Yeah, so, in other words, there's some amazing people in there. People that risk their lives, risk everything to come here to immigrate here and all they want to do is have a shot to work to participate you know they vote and yes yes please yes great the idea of building a multi-billion dollar wall in the middle of the damn desert to try and stop them from coming here is so stupid it's just a dumb idiotic idea but small-mindedness and racism and xenophobia and all that kind of stuff has been a part of our country since the beginning obviously you know the, the founding fathers as great as they were they were all slave-owning land-owning white males and they were the ones that had the say they considered black people to be three-fifths of a person with no voting rights women didn't have any right to vote either so you know they weren't perfect yeah they had their flaws so that's the other thing to keep in mind whenever you hear a sort of conservative judge or something say, well, what was the intent of the Founding Fathers and their verbiage? I don't really give a fuck what their intent was, okay, because we know about them now. We have to take some of their words with a grain of salt. We're in a different time now. We don't have slavery. We don't consider certain humans to be three-fifths of a human just because of the color of their skin. We don't do that anymore, you know. So whatever they said on certain things, okay. But we got to take that with a grain of salt because 
yeah, we're in a different time now, so we're not trying to keep the government as it was in the 18th century. We're not doing that. That's the whole reason there is amendments. Those founding fathers did have enough foresight to say, well, when things need to change, this is how you do it. And so they kind of make it possible to change, but certain big changes are going to require a lot of support, you know. <clears throat> but the wall was dumb. It was a stupid idea. But Trump was able to sort of really zero in on that sort of uh, Fox News-loving Breitbart Info wars, conspiracy theory, everything with, you know, subtle and not so subtle hints of racism folk that are, you know, scattered throughout the United States of America. Obviously, predominantly white, predominantly working class, and, uh, you know, varying levels of education, but a lot of them just, you know, they're working class folk. They work paycheck to paycheck. When they get home, catch up on the news, Fox News is their source. They turn on the local news. It's a Sinclair broadcasting station. Uh, some of them, if they're living in smaller towns and it's maybe not as racially diverse, they might have certain sort of opinions on certain particular groups and with varying levels of uh, boastfulness about those opinions. That was the group that Trump really zeroed in on. That kind of the Tea Party thing that kind of started in 2008. You know, he found he found his group. Here's, here's a group of people that you convinced and you can convince almost anything. I mean, they'll, they'll believe just about anything. They'll believe just about any kind of crazy conspiracy thing. But if you, you present them hard evidence that completely contradicts their conspiracy theory, they'll, they'll reject it. And they'll say that that's part of the theory too or something, you know. They, they can, I, I don't know. I wonder if it's just like... It's easier to kind of almost just get kind of lost in la-la land and kind of fantasy conspiracy theory things than to face the clear and obvious truth that the organization you're supporting isn't representing you, nor does it have any intent to. And is almost boastful about the fact that it isn't representing you, you know. The Republican Party is what it is, you know. And it, it, it sort of rubs people's nose in the fact that yeah, it's the organization that protects the wealthy. That's what they do. But they're able to convince enough working class people to go along with it that they're able to stay in power. They're, they're spread out in just the right way, you know, that they're able to stay in power. Um, so, yeah. I'm hopeful, though. I'm hopeful that uh, this goes well. I'm hopeful, for, I'm hopeful also for like a, a pretty good landslide in both the popular vote and the uh, electoral college vote. What's, what's his name on MSNBC? The, the graph guy that does all the poll projects. Steve Varnecki? Is that Grant Ben Varnecki? Anyway, doing various scenarios and whatnot. It's like, oh, geez, don't toy with me now. They're all because all the scenarios are like, well, it should be pretty clear, pretty easy path to victory for Biden and all this. Like, don't just don't even. I, I hate that they're still doing like, kind of trying to go through the motions like it's a normal election. It it has to be made clear, and it's not a, a partial statement, or a, or a in. Yeah, is that the right word? <laughs> it's not a. Saying that Donald Trump is the, is is a candidate representing fascism, that that's what he is. 
You know, saying he's lied 20,000 times, that's a fact. You choosing not to believe it, 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 that's your choice, but he has lied 20,000 times. He is proposing a more fascist-style government, restricting voter access, violently oppressing those who speak out, um, suppressing freedom of the speech, freedom of speech, freedom of the press, and those kind of things, freedom of religion, outcasting and discriminating all kinds of other, you know, and using the federal government's power and resources to do that. Uh, it, it is a fascist-style government. That is what it is. It's not, well, no, he's not fascist because he has an R next to his name. No. <laughs> Fascism can form in any country at any time under any sort of and take control of any different type of symbols. And it's going to look slightly different in each country and in each different place. You know, the Nazis were a certain type of fascism. Um, you know, the uh, fascism that's in North Korea has a different look. You know, it's all fascism. You know, violent oppression of the people. And, uh, you know, a, a strict adherence to you must support the ruling regime, you know. It's, uh, you know, it's just, it's just scary because we, we want to be dismissive of it. And, and sometimes it's easy to be dismissive of Trump because he's so preposterous. He's just a ridiculous person and always has been. He's just, why has he been around, allowed to linger around so long as like a relevant news source? You know, we have to do better moving forward. Celebrities aren't necessarily newsworthy unless they're saying something newsworthy you know an old racist white man not believing that the first african-american president was born in america that's not newsworthy he's just an old racist white guy and that that every that was is famous for being racist you know if he wants to go on infowars or breitbart or or even fox news i guess fox news is a propaganda station so if he wants to go in there but covering him on cnn NBC, ABC, all that during the eight years of the Barack Obama presidency. It was wrong. And we paid a dear price for it. You know, covering that dumbass for that many years. Allowing him to participate in, like, uh, the correspondence dinner. Like, why was he there? At, at the famous one where, where Seth Meyers really ribbed him and Barack Obama, too. Like, why was he at that thing? Well, you know, why did they keep inviting him to the party? You know, just because he had a ton of money. Yeah, got to learn from this. We can't we can't do this again. Our country can't afford another four years of Trump, but we also can't afford whatever type of shitstorm comes after him. You know, so hopefully people do the right thing today. And when they cast their ballot, there's no the box does not have anything filled in for Trump. That 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 particular square is left blank. And uh, one of the other candidates running gets the vote instead. Uh, I went Biden, um, you know, because, yeah, he's a good, decent person. I don't agree with all of his policies, nor Kamala Harris, but both of them good, decent, hardworking people with true convictions. So let's get some adults back in the White House and let's reject fascism because fascism is no good. And hopefully uh, the majority of Americans do that, and hopefully th that majority is spread out in just the right way so that we win the Electoral College. We may very well dominate the popular vote, but it's winning the Electoral College that matters. So, wherever you are, vote. Okay. So stay safe out there. God bless. This is Gary. Thinking out loud.